0: And welcome to the Jewish Boston and Israel 360 podcast. I'm Miriam Ansman, joined today by Dan Seligson. Hello, Dan. Hi there. Hi. So our guest today is Amanda Berman an attorney and the director of legal affairs at the Lawfare Project. She's also the president and co-founder of the Zionist Movement, a coalition of activists and allies who express their Zionist and progressive values through collective action. They are driven by the belief that the same values of human rights and self-determination at the heart of progressive causes also underlie Zionism, the movement to achieve self-determination for a long-oppressed minority group, the Jews. For Amanda, Zionism is a progressive value and believes that we have every right and, in fact, an obligation to seize on our own history and experience to advance civil rights and social justice for all. Before we get into our discussion, make sure you follow us at JewishBoston and at Israel360 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to keep up with our newest content and remember to subscribe to this podcast for all of our great conversations. Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time out of your extraordinarily busy schedule to come and speak to Dan and I today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you. Well, let's start talking about um, Israel, a small country in the Middle East. We've both I've heard, heard, heard of it. <laughs> um, what, Sounds familiar. What's your personal relationship with Israel, and um, what does Zionism, the word Zionism, mean to you?
2: So Zionism, to me, is the same as it is for Zionists, which I'm sure we'll get into. But it simply means the self-determination and liberation movement of the Jewish people. It means we believe that the Jewish national homeland should be safe and secure and should exist. and, And that's it. It's very, very simple. And my personal relationship with Israel is very... Uh, Very strong, very powerful, something I'm very proud of, Um, how much time I've spent there, how well I feel like I know the country and the people and the land and how much it has touched me and and made me a better person, honestly, and the person that I am who, who fights for the
1: Jewish people. Did you go on birthright or anything like I that? I did
2: go on birthright. Um, I've had a bunch of personal trips, family trips, and I spent a summer there doing an internship in law school. That was a really important moment for me in my life um, in terms of using the skills that I have and, and the things that I studied to advance the rights of the Jewish people.
1: So uh, we talked before a little bit about the organization that you're here to talk about that you founded. Uh, I pronounced it S until I heard you say Zion S it is called S. Like and it is on Facebook, you have a webpage Zioness.org. I saw Instagram, Twitter, you guys are on everything. Um, tell us a little bit about how Zioness went from not existing about <laughs> 16 months ago uh, to where you Seven are
2: 7 months ago, it didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, it's we launched just in a August. baby. Just a baby.
1: Yeah, yeah it's an adorable, adorable <laughs> small thing. So but not so small anymore. But tell us how it it's how kind it started. Of
2: crawling very quickly now okay. <laughs> from from the newborn that it was in August. So Zionist launched in August at the Chicago Slut Walk. We are a reaction to the conversation that was happening on the progressive left, that you cannot be a Zionist and a progressive or a Zionist and a feminist, which is a bigoted and discriminatory narrative that targets Jewish people whose um, inherent identities include support of and secure borders for the Jewish national homeland. And this was a conversation that was going on for so long in our community. All of these people who were saying this anti-Semitism in progressive spaces is really pervasive um, and really problematic because if you sincerely wanna fight for social justice for any community, you wanna see more people showing up in the space, not less. And if you sincerely believe that all communities are entitled to civil rights and self-determination and human dignity and equality, that has to include the Jewish people. And if it doesn't, it's not a sincere progressive movement. And so um, after the Women's March leaders were announced, and they were people who have a notorious record of anti-Semitism, and after uh, all of these progressive issues from the Dakota Pipeline to the refugee ban um, to the Chicago Dyke March were turned into issues that – were it turned into conversations that were only surrounding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and not actually the causes that they were supposed to be addressing. We realized that we really had to fix this and, and address this problem as liberals, as progressives, as members of this community, and also the targets of this bigoted conversation. And so we launched a movement, and we we went to the Chicago, the Chicago Slut Walk which had endorsed the policy of the Chicago Dyke March to ban Jewish stars. Um, this was not about Israel. It was about Jewish people and this um, ancient symbol of, of the Jewish people. And so we decided it was time to show up in the space at the slut walk, which was supposedly – to address uh, victim blaming and slut shaming and patriarchy and was supposed to be about women's empowerment and equal pay and paid family leave and health care and a woman's right to choose and autonomy over our own bodies. These were the issues that the slut walk was supposed to be about. And yet the conversation that was going to happen once the speakers were announced was all about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And we said, we have to get involved here. We have to show up in solidarity for the actual mission of the slut walk. And so we did. And when we saw how many people wanted to march with us in Chicago and how many people were just waiting for someone to show up and fill this void in the community um, of groups that were both proactively progressive and staunchly and unabashedly Zionist, we realized that we had to turn it into something bigger. So that's what Zioness is
0: you talked about last year um, the Dyke March in Chicago where three Jewish activists, queer Jewish activists were uh, harassed and kicked out because they were having a they had um, pride flags with the Star of David on it um, There's so many occasions in which aggression against Zionists or Jews never get any attention whatsoever because it's not high profile enough. Just personally, I grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts it's a very very liberal. Town, and my first uh, criticism for being a Zionist came at first grade. Oh and and, and in, in my teen years, I would receive death threats written in blood. Are you um, serious? Yes, I'm 100% serious. It's a very funny place to live. Did you um, know
2: what Zionism was in first well, grade?
0: Well, so this is how, sorry, I don't mean to is, digress a little no, bit, but, but this <laughs> is what happened. So I did not understand. What I understood, or what I thought I understood, is that as Jews, I mistakenly believed that as a Jew, I was a citizen of Israel, even though I lived in America. But I was proud of Israel, and my family were all Zionists, so I remember we had like this multicultural gathering, it's a very multicultural place, and um, just so everybody in the school talked about where they were from, and you know, what their heritage was. And I said, stupidly, that I was Israeli. And I had a little friend then, and I remember at the end of the day, she told her father what I had said, the guy takes her away and she never spoke to me again. Um, and I had no idea that there was one type of identity that was not allowed and it was the one that I had. So that was my very first introduction to, oh, one of these things is not like the others. Oh my God. I was the, the odd woman out at you know first grade or whatever. Um, but yeah, so so this became a huge part of my identity pretty much because of my anger at being rejected over something that I had no idea why, why I was being rejected or what the thought behind, you know, I wasn't allowed to be friends with these people anymore. They, they didn't want to be friends with me, I should say, what that was. And you didn't even say you were a Zionist. You said you were Israeli. I said I was Israeli because I didn't, I don't even know if I knew the right. word they, You know, they
1: say we're children of Israel and we're right. Israelites. And they say that so often that when you're young and right. you hear that but in I knew, synagogue, but I knew, internalize that. Right,
0: that Israel was a huge part of who we are as a people. And this was just how I was raised, so it was uh, news to me that that was not cool. Um, So there's all these times that it's just part of being uh, somebody who who believes in Zionism, and I'm not saying even necessarily supports the actions of the Israeli government, but just simply believes in the self-determination of the Jewish people, that's it. Um, So how do we maintain our engagement with a, a liberal community, like the one in which I was raised? Um, and and show support for social change when we are rejected outright or threatened by that very same community um, for believing in self-determination for the Jews. So it's very
2: interesting. There are these leaders, uh, and I say leaders with quotes around them because these women, the four that we know of, are not actually the people who thought of the Women's March. That was a woman in Hawaii who had a great idea And the march was taken over um, by these four individuals. Now, when you think about the millions of women around the world who marched with the original Women's March and and this past one in January of 2018, I would venture to say that less than 5% have any idea who the Women's March leaders are. And the vast majority of women that are marching that are showing up as proud feminists, Um, do not espouse the same anti-Semitic views as these people. So, you know, one of the criticisms that I get a lot from, frankly, members of our community, the Jewish community, is that by showing up at the Women's March, I'm lending credibility to the anti-Semitism that's kind of underlying a lot of the message. Now, my response to that is that we're not a big enough community to have an effect by boycotting. Nobody is going to notice if we don't show up. But if we do show up, we can have really important conversations. And if we do show up, we can strengthen both of our identities as feminists and progressives and also as Zionists. So we have to reject the false choice um, of choosing between being a, a feminist or a progressive and being a Zionist and say, both of those things are who I am, and I'm not going to reject either one of them or check either one of them at the door, just like no other individual has to. So, you know, there's a lot of conversation about intersectionality. I don't know whether intersectionality works or or doesn't, but if you sincerely believe that a person... Um, is going to be measured by their victimhood or their status as, as a member of a marginalized community, then we have to think about both women and Jews as being underrepresented communities, and that as female Jewish feminist progressive Zionists, we have a right to participate in that space too. So if we don't show up, we lose. And if we do show up, we win. So that's a pretty simple calculation for me.
0: That's, that's true. <laughs> um, so let's, let's, talk a little bit. I know we've spoken about the Women's March um, a lot, but let's talk about something that just happened recently, which is this whole controversy um, about Farrakhan and the Women's March leadership. Can you um, fill in our audience a little bit about what happened and why it's uh, sort of getting everyone's attention? And maybe they didn't know before.
2: Sure. So uh, Louis Farrakhan, who is the minister who leads uh, the Nation of Islam, gave a speech a couple of weeks ago that uh, one of the Women's March leaders, Tamika Mallory, attended. And in it, he spewed the same vitriol, (laughs) the same hatred and bigotry toward the Jewish community that he always spews. Um, He's recognized by the ADL as the most notorious anti-Semite in America. So the speech didn't surprise anyone or, or certainly shouldn't have surprised anyone. What surprised people was the fact that Tamika, who's now kind of an icon of the women's movement um, by those who are actually paying attention again to the leadership, which I think is really a small percentage of people who march, who, who are following the women's movement, the women's march. But still, you know, she's out there. She's in the media. She's on TV. And so she tweeted her support of Minister Farrakhan. She took a picture with him. She praised him, and you know she has had a relationship with the Nation of Islam for a long time, and um, I know that there have been, you know, some positive, some some strengthening for her with through this relationship and she's been through some tough times that members of the nation have supported her through which is a beautiful thing having said that louis farrakhan is a raging anti-semite and if you can't disavow that language um and and you can't say that this is not a man who represents my values as the leader of a quote-unquote intersectional feminist movement then you're not a sincere progressive and so it was the first time i think in a while that these leaders were forced to um, kind of assess their position on something that had nothing to do with Israel. That smokescreen of, I'm not an anti-Semite, I'm an anti-Zionist, didn't exist in this situation because Farrakhan's speech had nothing to do with Israel. So um, it was the first time that, that Jews across the political spectrum, from even the far right to the center to the very far left, people who don't even identify as Zionists, said, this is atrocious, this, this is something you know, that, that we just can't stand by. And the Jewish community really um, begged, I think, for a response from her. I think that people would have been satisfied with basically any sincere apology, and we still haven't gotten it. So we finally got a response from the Women's March. Um, But Tamika, in defending herself, then tweeted something about how if your God is not the same God as the enemy of Jesus. I mean, something that, you know, again, invoking more anti-Semitic tropes to defend herself against claims of anti-Semitism, just really digging a hole that just showed that, you know, she is unable to disavow
0: explicit anti-Semitism.
1: She probably shouldn't have gone to the Nation of Islam PR team for advice on how to <laughs> write that tweet. but That was probably a bad that's strategy. That's what she chose to do, I guess. Yeah,
0: and it's, it's important to remember that, you know, it's not just uh, his his words against the Jewish community, it's against um, mm-hmm. trans-Americans, it's against gay people, uh, the LGBTQ movement as a whole. So it's just baffling to me um, that Some people are having difficulty wrapping their heads around this idea that supporting Farrakhan is antithetical to just progressivism. Progressivism. It's impossible to rectify these things.
2: Impossible. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, it's shocking that this is happening, that these people don't realize, you know, what their language means to people who are following it. But what's really crazy is that these are the same people who say you can't be a feminist and a Zionist because if you're a real feminist, you're supporting all women, including Palestinian women. Now, first of all, I support Palestinian women. I really want to stand alongside Palestinian women as they fight their oppressive, oppressive, dictatorial, theocratic terrorist regimes that are denying them their civil and human rights every day. Um, Moreover, I think it's just supremely ironic and hypocritical to say you can't be a feminist and a Zionist because you're not supporting ex community. Meanwhile, you know, what about Louis Farrakhan? What about, you know, black queers? What about, you know, members of the African American community who um, are Jewish? What about those people? Farrakhan is attacking those people for who they are, their inherent identities. And, you know, if if these leaders, quote unquote leaders, can't come out and say, I don't stand, I disavow that, I condemn that language. You know, yeah. if, if they don't want to condemn the Nation of Islam, if Tamika has had whatever relationship, I can understand that. I don't necessarily support it, but I can understand that. If you can't disavow the rhetoric that is attacking a person for his or her inherent identity— You are not a progressive leader. I don't care what you want to call yourself. I don't care what label you have on a flyer or a poster, you're not a sincere progressive yeah. and you can't
0: lead anybody. This is very similar, I mean, in my opinion, this is very similar to the way people misinterpret the word feminist, mm-hmm. right? The same thing happens with the word Zionist. like, oh, feminists hate men, or Zionists hate Palestinians, and this is not actually the, zero the case. zero-sum game. Right, I'm a feminist, I do not hate men, and my Zionism actually is what makes me feel that Palestinians also have the right to self-determination. Absolutely.
1: So, let me flip that question around a little bit, or sort of the similar issue with um, Trump. If you are an American Jew who loves Israel and the Jewish community and Trump aids and abets anti-Sem- anti-Semitism in this country and you know it's, it's soared 57 percent over the previous mm-hmm. year and by mm-hmm. any measure, anti-Semitism is way up. Uh, he talks about neo-nazis in Charlottesville as decent people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, can you turn around and say, well, he's great for the Jews because he's moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? Are you basically saying, I will excuse Donald Trump's awfulness in 90% of what he does because this move from, you know, Tel Aviv and, and acknowledgement of Jerusalem as the capital?
2: You're asking me what I think of Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> we um, all have very know, I, strong well, uh,
0: yeah. uh,
1: it, it, From personal experience, I have some members of my— some colleagues, let's say. Yeah. I have colleagues who Same. are supportive yeah. of Trump because of, because of Israel. his allegedly pro-Israel yeah. activity. Now, I would argue that he's not necessarily pro-Israel. I'm he's pro-evangelical Christian. But the things that he's, he's doing— He's pro-whatever
2: gets him praised. Right. That's right.
1: So uh, are they allowed to say that Donald Trump is okay because of that one thing he did, yet the entire movement on the left, the entire progressive movement, is now tainted— Because, you know, anti-Semitic clown Louis Farrakhan, who frankly, in my opinion, he says awful things, but has he moved the needle on anti-Semitism in 50 years of clowning? I don't think so.
2: I I don't I don't like the comparison. I don't. First of all, I think a lot of people. This is a problem I have a lot that it's always a competition, you know. And it's always mm-hmm. it's always a political. You know, I'm on the left, so I'm going to call out anti-Semitism on the right, and I'm not going to call it out on the left. And and I think Zions is really important because we're saying we are members of the left, and we're calling out anti-Semitism on the left. I wish there were more people on the right who would deal with anti-Semitism on the right. And it's coming from the highest ranks. It's coming from the president. It's coming from his former chief political strategist and and listen you know I personally and Zionists have absolutely no problem calling out anti-semitism on the right I did it after Charlottesville I will continue to do it every single day but I think that I as a member of the left have, have a responsibility to address the anti-semitism on the left it's not whether Louis Farrakhan has moved the needle and I would argue that he does I mean he has a lot of people paying attention to him whether you know it or not and some of them are some of the most influential members of the American Mm -hmm. left so I don't know how you can argue that it's that it's not having an impact I mean his speeches are getting coverage and they're reaching a lot of people um, and also they're reaching they're reaching like underprivileged communities and marginalized communities that are looking for something to hold on to. And that's where we see anti-Semitism thrive when people are looking for to place blame. So I think it's very dangerous for a leader like him to continue spewing this stuff, especially to the audience that he has. Um, with regard to Donald Trump, I also have members of my community, people that I love. Uh, deeply who think that he is so good for Israel and I agree with you that I don't see that I I think listen Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and has been the capital of the Jewish people for 4,000 years and so I don't see that as a controversial statement he what you know the, the whole embassy decision is consistent with U.S. law since 1995 so There are a lot of issues with previous presidents not making that declaration. And I also think there are a lot of problems with Trump making the declaration because, as you were alluding to, it's tying Donald Trump to the Jewish people and to the pro-Israel community in a way that is harmful to the vast majority of our community who are active Democrats, liberals, and progressives. So it's giving us a bad name just by having any relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, the anti-Semitic dog whistles, this this started long before Charlottesville. It started with his— you know, political ads with Hillary Clinton and the Jewish Star and the, and the dollar signs. And I mean, the name America First is a Charles Lindbergh, you know, quote, for it's an isol- isolationist policy that was intended to keep America out of the Second World War. So, you know, these are things that people on the right are refusing to address. And that horrifies me. Um, the relationship, you know, with with uh, with Steve Bannon and and um, Breitbart and the most radical right wingers and bigots and anti Semites and neo Nazis is horrifying that someone like that could occupy any office space in the White House. It is shocking.
1: Yeah. So I um, I love that answer. Thank you. Um, I I've always seen from the time I was first protesting stuff, um, and that includes the f- second Bush's first inauguration in in two thousand in D.C. when. Those yeah, we were, were the days. <laughs> yeah, we were, what a nice how, <laughs> guy in retrospect.
2: I always think about <laughs> Bill Maher saying he gave a million dollars to right. Mitt Romney, and yeah. now he would give a million dollars to Mitt Romney. Yeah, yeah.
1: seriously. Um, and and we were marching in the streets protesting what happened in this election because we felt like it was stolen, and people's civil rights were violated in Florida. Their votes were literally stolen, mm-hmm. not the people who you know made a mistake punching the ballot, but the people whose names were knocked off the registration list because they happened to have the same name as someone incarcerated and whatever else. And we were there marching and there were there people with, you know, Jewish star equals swastika. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Why Why is this coming up right now? And I've, I've always seen that more so than the right, the left has this amazing ability to fracture itself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Zioness is a healing movement. I mean, is, would you say that, you know, what you guys are trying to do is is say, okay, we don't always have to split ourselves in stupid, false ways. You can be pro-Israel, and you can be progressive.
2: Absolutely. Um, 100%. Two things. First of all, I hate the term pro-Israel. I feel like saying...
1: I've been... I've had this ingrained in me yeah. No, all everybody
2: of. in our community uses <laughs> it's the wrong. word pro-Israel, but I am pro-Israel the same way I am pro-Spain. Spain, Spain <laughs> should
0: exist on the map, exactly. and Spanish people should live there. It's I mean, a, and it also it's a mistake because that it, it frames it as exactly. if you're anti-something right. else, right? And it's y- the zero-sum exactly, game that we just talked exactly. about.
2: The binary is such a problem because this what goes on in the Middle East, the, the conflict, Zionism, all of this is so nuanced and so complicated. And most people in the world don't know anything about it. And I'm not saying they should, because, you know, everybody's focusing on the yeah. issues that affect them primarily. So to for our community to turn it into or to perpetuate the conversation that, that it is a binary, either you're pro or against, um, I think is deeply problematic. And I think it kind of assist the narrative um, of those who oppose us, like, you know, and people who support the BDS campaign and stuff like that, that if you don't, you know, boycott Israel, then you are anti-Palestinian, even though boycotting Israel doesn't help Palestinians in any way. So, you know, I am both pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian. As we just said, I believe that Palestinian people are entitled to human and civil rights and self-determination, and I would fight for them to achieve that from the people who are actually taking it away from them, which is their two- terrorist governments. So yes. um anyway, I really hate the term pro-Israel. Well. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yeah, that was so, everybody listen. uses it. And I'm well not use
1: it again today. No,
2: yes. I, you will use it again today, just after we're finished. Right. Um it's really hard to avoid, but I just I'm really trying to say to you know people who are on our team that it's it's assisting a, narr- a negative narrative. So anyway, um, what was the other part of your question? I'm really sorry. Oh, no. Sorry about that, Dan. <laughs> oh, you remember it? No, oh, I oh, will the, remember the it. Left,
1: the left's ability the healing, to fracture the itself and, and yeah. how you guys were trying to heal that. Yeah,
2: So, and it, and you really nailed it with that question because um, Zionist, from the beginning, has been about standing up as both a progressive and a Zionist, and we're not gonna define what either of those terms mean to you for Zionists, being a zionist simply means that you support the self-determination and liberation movement of the jewish people and the safety and security of our of our homeland in our historic national homeland zion so it's very it's very uh it's, it's very simple and our community as you said is so fractured over these really complicated issues you know settlements and checkpoints and you know, disengagement and, and all of these things that have absolutely nothing to do with Zionism. Theodore Herzl was not talking about you know where the Green Line is located. So all of these things, and, and Theodore Herzl was was taking up a movement that had existed for thousands of years before him. Um, so you know these political issues of the modern day state have nothing to do with the notion that Jews have the right to self-determination just as other people do. And so for our community to fight over all of these things and say, I don't stand with you because you're anti-settlement and I think that Modayin elite is going to be part of a future Jewish state and shouldn't be considered a settlement. And maybe, you know, you're asking me if I'm pro or against settlements and I'm asking you if you're talking about Amona or Modayin and you might not even know, not you, but, you know, I get this question all the time and people don't understand how complicated it is because the media is making it a binary and because our community makes it a binary. Are you pro or against settlements is an absurd question for anyone who understands how complicated this conflict is. So Zionists is trying to say, we're not dealing with those issues. We're not going to put a political litmus test on you to participate in our movement. If you support the idea of Zionism, if you support the idea that Jews are entitled to civil and human rights and self-determination, and you're a progressive and you want to fight for those same rights for all other marginalized communities in America. Come and march with us. We're a big tent. That's it. We need to bring our community together. We need to stand proudly as Zionists because Zionism is a beautiful thing. And we need to seize on our own history in order to apply it for other communities too.
1: So the Black Lives Matter movement, okay. which was so important to me and so important to my wife. And she said, I want to get a Black Lives Matter sign for the lawn. I said, not after what they put on their platform, not on my side of the lawn, whatever you want to do. But like, I'm totally uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> Divide the that. lawn. Yeah.
1: And we both agreed. You're that are would not the, lawn. Yeah, you they fractured, fractured your, us. Yeah. <laughs> um, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do they do this to us? Why must they bring in things that don't matter just to make a point that they hate Israel and Jews?
2: I mean I think it's there's an exploitative uh what's the word element element is is the perfect word of what is going on with some of the people who are active in social justice causes. And there's been a real movement to turn all of these important movements for social justice and civil rights in America into opportunities to talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in a one-sided, binary way. Um, and, And it's shocking and offensive and also really dangerous because that conversation um, in in turning it into a binary and saying, you know, if you believe in in black lives in America, then you must also oppose Israeli policies vis-a-vis Palestinians. I mean, again, as you said, it's diluting the importance of the black, you know, the issue um, that young black men are facing, police Mm -hmm. brutality, disproportionate jail sentences. I mean, there are so many things that we should be fighting for. Um, and in solidarity with with the black community in America. And instead, the conversation is fracturing and and we feel like we're not allowed to participate and, and not allowed to join them in that fight. And you know I think I've said this before I'll say it again it's bad not only for us and you know and and discriminatory against us, but it's bad for the black community because Jews and Zionists have always been on the forefront of that fight of the civil rights fight, and we've always cared deeply about the advancement of that fight and about progress for that community and for all other marginalized communities. so kicking us out is harmful to the advancement of that movement because you know we we want to help
1: and I, I'm cringing because I know that there's going to be this mass anti-gun rally or rallies all over the country. And I know that some joker is going to bring in Israel (laughs) and and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which has nothing to do with it. And this movement is actually really building momentum. We didn't get the school shooting in Florida out of the news cycle in three days, as Mm -hmm. the NRA Mm -hmm. and Republican Mm -hmm. Party hoped that we would. It's still there and it's still with us. And I am bracing myself for the intersectionality attack on... Israel that inevitably comes with any progressive cause
2: yeah, it will happen for sure. It will happen, but I think we need to stop being so afraid of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, our community has allowed it to dictate we our can
0: participation. Still cringe, though, right? Yeah, totally. I'm gonna cringe. I'm not but scared. But like, I'm gonna still say Black Lives Matter. I don't support that part of their platform, Zitta. but they yeah. still matter. Those lives. Zitta. So, so I, yeah.
2: Part of that exploitative element, part of the goal of that is to remove us from the partnership That's with right. the Black community, and then we become not allies exactly. anymore. Exactly. I which mean, we it's can't allow to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's hundred percent right. So we need to show up and build those relationships. There are a lot of people in Black Lives Matter, leaders in Black Lives Matter, who see how much that you know that platform issue is a problem for their community and for ours. So the more you know, we remain active in the space, put that you know to the side for a moment, deal with the issues that really matter, prove that we're here for the right reasons, and that anyone who is trying to change the conversation is not. Um, it's really simple, you know. If yeah. we don't show up. Again, I said it. I said it earlier. If we don't show up, the conversation continues without us. And if we do show up, we show that we are the true allies. That we really, um, again, we've always been here. We will continue to be here, and we're not
0: going to be scared away by right.
2: this kind of stuff.
0: Right. So I want to wrap us up here with a little uh, speed round of questions, La-la. if that's okay. <laughs> All right. So here's question one. Um, Linda Sarsour famously said that quote. Nothing is creepier than Zionism, unquote. Since Zionism is inherently not creepy at all, uh, let's list three things right now that are way creepier than Zionism could ever be. I'll give my three right off the top. Number one, people who erase the experiences of Jews of color by saying that all Jews are white. Two, anyone who actually voted for Roy Moore. Three, the continued existence of United Airlines. All right, (laughs) who's next? Um, Well, so I got to throw a little
2: curveball in here and say that Zionism is not remotely creepy. So I think there are infinite numbers of things that are more creepy than Zionism. But I will say in terms of the creepiest things ever, I would go, first of all, with street clothes on the bed. Oh, Uh, (laughs) that's my number one Um, no way that that can't happen. I'm fine with my golden retriever on the bed, but street clothes can't have that. hundred percent. Subway poles, kind of the same category of things, but subway, I can't touch them. I like do the balancing act on the subway. Um, and third, I got to go with women's march leaders who say that Zionism is creepy. Mm,
0: that is very creepy.
1: Yeah, that is creepy. I'm yeah. going to say that my three creepiest things are what Stephen Miller dreams about when he falls asleep <laughs> in meetings. Uh, another public transportation one, people who sit next to you on the bus when there are a ton of empty seats. Right, right. And the beetles I find in my basement that have big pincers on their heads. Sorry. In your
2: basement? Um, this yeah. is very
1: triggering, Dan. Yeah, I'm sorry. yeah, my basement is really gross. Okay, <laughs> speed round question number two: Who is more appealing to your average anti-Semite, Donald Trump or Louis Farrakhan?
2: Your average anti-Semite. There are so many that.
0: kinds, though, Dan. Okay, so your, many your, varieties. your favorite kind of anti-Semite? <laughs> let's say.
2: Um, I think people really love that Donald Trump is in office and that he will dog whistle to them from, you know, such a prominent position Mm -hmm. of power. But I don't know that he is actually inherently an anti-Semite. So I feel like for them – again they're getting that dog whistle but they might not be getting like the real heart-to-heart that they're gonna get with Louis Farrakhan he has a
1: bullhorn yeah
2: Uh, well but Louis Farrakhan's like really in it with you if you're an anti semite, like he's he's right there with you and he will say all the things that you're thinking and, and afraid to say for really good reason so I gotta go with Louis Farrakhan. I like the
1: guy who said we control the weather. That was earlier I today. I could new not. One. I'm like, my God, that. if I really could
2: control. And then the he's like, "I'm really sorry. I didn't realize." Yeah. Like, oh my what, God. I, okay. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> okay. Um, speed round, question three. This one is a fun one. Who is your favorite Zionist leader?
2: Um, Past, that's present. the easiest one. It's Golda, obviously. Golda. <laughs> my girl Golda, the lioness.
1: All right,
0: that's a great answer. That is right, 100%. Um, so tell us, what is next for Zionists.
2: Absolutely. So we're now incorporating as a 501c3. We really hope to be able to start fundraising soon so that we can continue to build and strengthen the movement. We just last week announced our board of directors, which is incredible. I'm so proud of the women um, and man. Rabbi Farkas in L.A. is um, on our board as well. And I'm just so thrilled and honored and excited to be able to work with these women to grow the movement and to engage our community to activate and empower all of those Zionists on the progressive left who have been feeling like we can't participate and we can't show up and to tell them that we can and we will and that we're going to be proud of who we are. It's been an incredible ride so far and I'm I'm just so excited for where it's going to go.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Amanda, for Thank joining you. us today. it so fun. And we
1: can find you guys on org mm-hmm. and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where, anywhere. Did I miss anything?
2: No, but go to, um, first of all, go to org and sign up for our mailing list. And then also um, find us on Facebook. But if you are in a major metropolitan city, we probably have a private facebook group for you and we are marching in the march for our lives this weekend we are really excited we're going to have Zionist contingents all over the country so if you find uh the facebook group in the city near you you can join that group and get all the details for where uh that contingent is going to be meeting up and marching or you can email about at zionist.org if you want to know if there's a march near you
1: fabulous thank Thank you. you
0: so much thank you